Very good. I saw a boxing match break out in the middle out there, so that's very taking it to a whole new level, rowdiness. Uh, very good. Uh, it is good to be together. It's good to celebrate the Lord's Day together. We're going to get a chance to celebrate a baptism later on, which is always exciting. And I uh, got to do that earlier uh, at the end of the first service with a couple more people. Um, wanted to let you know we've got a few announcements this morning. I'm not going to tell you what they are. All right, uh, because you get an email every week if you if you get our emails on Fridays. And Sarah Comer, our connections pastor, works really hard on those. And I, I just want to encourage you to open those up. There's lots of important stuff going on. You can also, if you don't get those emails, check out our announcement slides before and after all the services, or download our app and look at the events section uh, or the news section and see all the stuff that's coming up. And you'll be able to stay right up to date. Now, um, before I break into the scripture this morning share a message with you. I want to give you some instructions about what we're going to do next. We're going to go to a time of offering and discussion next. So if you came prepared to give, this is our time where every week as, as people of God, we bring together the first fruits of what God has poured into our lives. And this is a great spiritual uh, practice and act of worship for those of us who are following Jesus to recognize that everything we have comes from the hand of God and belongs to God. And so as a practice of being uh, reminding ourselves of that and of being grateful to God for what he's given us, we bring uh, a lot of us the tenth. Uh, the first fruits of, of what God has given us, and we place it in the basket or we give through our app or, or whatever, and it's a part of our worship. And so uh, we want to take some time every Sunday to do that. Also, I know today's Baptism Sunday, so we've got some guests with us. Maybe you came just to see somebody baptized. Feel free to take a pass on the offering, um, but we would love to get to know you a little bit better. So if you want to fill out one of those connection cards and drop it in the table on your way out, that would be great. And while we do that, we want to spend some time talking with one another this morning. We're breaking into a series on this verse right here, Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. We're going to spend the next several weeks working through uh, this, past, this verse in the Scriptures, and, and today really the whole chapter of Psalm 46. And what I'd like for you to talk about uh, with your neighbors around you is what is the first or second thing that comes to mind when you hear this verse? Uh, just free, free association, first thing that comes to your mind, maybe it's a situation or a circumstance or an experience that you had when this verse kind of hit you in a powerful way at one point in your life or whatever it is, first thing, maybe it's the first time you've ever heard this verse before and you're like, uh, here's what comes to mind. That, that's exactly what we want to share together. When we do these discussion topics, it's real important. We believe that connecting is one of our primary missions and values here at Real Life. And so we want everyone to be talking with one another. So if you're sitting by yourself, find somebody else. If you see somebody sitting by themselves, grab them in. Don't just sit and talk with the person that you came with. Uh, turn around, get to know some other people, and make those relational connections around that kind of conversation today. And then... When, when you see all of the lights go down, all of them, um, we're going to go into this little video uh, deal that will help us really focus in on this verse. So everybody kind of be still and, and quiet when, that, when the lights go down and pay attention to the screens. All right. So now, though, talk amongst yourselves and give. And when the lights come down, be quiet. All right. Go. <laughs> See? 
I'm already going. This verse has been working on me for several weeks, and I'm excited to uh, launch into this series together with you, uh, walking through Psalm 4610. And and there's this interesting thing that uh, I actually picked this up from my old um, my old pastor in Michigan, uh, who who talked to me about how interesting it is when you take this verse and you drop one word off of it at a time, that it's almost a different message each time. So be still and know that I am God. That's one thing. But if you drop off the word God, be still and know that I am. That's a whole other kind of deal. And then you drop off I am, be still and know. And you can talk about this, this Hebrew concept of this, this word know, which is uh, grounded in relationship. And, and, and then you drop that off and be still. That's a whole other thing. And then drop still off and just be. And do we have trouble with that? You know, every, at every line along the way, every, every formulation of that sentence, um, you, you drop one of those words off and there's, there's another reality and truth and, and just something staring you in the face where you're like, man, I've got something to learn right here. And so I'm so looking forward to walking through this verse and just taking it kind of one word at a time almost. And, and yet, one of the things you have to do with Scripture is recognize that, that when we just grab a verse and pull it out, and especially when we start dropping words off of it, that you have to be very careful that you, you don't just take something and, and make it mean whatever you want. You've got to find out where it's situated and where it's coming from. And so this morning, we're going to take that whole verse, be still and know that I am God. And really concentrate on that, that, that concept of God and, and that last word in it. But really, we're going to walk through Psalm 46 together. And it's going to be about as simple of a message as you can get. It's just kind of walking through the verses of that. And so if you brought a Bible with you today, um, we just want to find out where this verse comes from. And I think that, that we don't want to detach this verse from this chapter in the Bible because it really fits well right here and, and speaks powerfully out of it. And so Psalm chapter 46, if you have your Bibles or you want to get out your, your phone app and turn to it, this would be a great message to just have your Bible sitting in your lap or have that, that chapter open on your phone and just follow along with it. I want to read it to you again. This is the chapter that we read together as the responsive reading at the beginning of the service. We're going to read it again and then walk through it uh, one statement at a time. It starts like this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease he, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's Psalm 46. It's one of those great chapters in the Bible. It's one that, you know, you, you just want to write songs about. God is our refuge and God, is, you guys know this one, is our, nobody? Uh, yeah, come on, somebody tap a foot to that. Uh, this is one of those you, you grow up in children's church learning. It's, it's just a great chapter, so much good and powerful truth. And, and uh, I, I want to kind of walk into it today, actually in verse 2, um, where it talks about the whole world kind of falling apart. You ever had somebody who's had uh, some sort of fear that you're trying to help them through or walk them out of it? Maybe you've got some kids or a friend or, or somebody who's had this, this fear that something bad is going to happen. You know, like when you turn off the lights at night and, and the, the, the battery is out of the nightlight. Or, or maybe a kid has a fear of going up to the plate and if I swing, I might strike out. And, and so, so you've got that fear. Or, or what if we lose? Or maybe your fears are a little more serious. Like maybe you're getting ready to call the girl and ask her out. And what if she laughs at you, you know? Uh, and, and, and just it's going to be demoralizing and humiliating. And what am I going to do then? Or, or if you're a student, you're getting ready to fail a test. Or, uh, you know, just all kinds of things. Maybe there's a sickness that you're wrestling through or a family member that's going through it or just all sorts of things, something that you might be afraid of. Somebody maybe that you know might be afraid of. Have you ever tried the tactic of helping them through that by saying, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, you ever done this? Uh, what's the worst that could happen? Especially if it's one of those fears like being afraid of the dark or if you, you know, don't pass the test or something. Then it's one of those, almost it's, it doesn't sound like this, but it's a positive thinking kind of, of way, approach to get out of a fear. Because what you do is you try and take somebody and say, okay, I want you to describe to me what the worst thing that could happen is if the girl says no when you call her on the phone. You know, well, my feelings will be hurt, and maybe I won't know what to say to her the next time I see her, you know, or whatever. And you're like, okay, will you still be alive? Yes. All right, you're going to make it through this then, right? And so it's, it's going to be okay. And that's, that's maybe the track that you take. What's the worst that could happen? It's whatever the worst is, it's not going to be as bad as you think, and you're going to make it through it, right? Maybe you've taken that track before, helping somebody through a fear. Psalm 46 does the complete opposite. <laughs> Psalm 46, in verses 2 and 3, you get into it, this question, and it's almost like you say, what's the worst that could happen? And, and the psalmist says, well, the whole world could fall apart. You know, I mean, really, the mountains could fall into the sea and the earth could fall away and like the fabric of creation could just come apart at the seams and the wheels could fall off and life could spin totally out of control and everything could crash into the seas until they're foaming and just swallowing everything up. It, I mean, it could get really bad, you know. And you're like, thank you, psalmist. I'm so encouraged uh, by this, right? And yet the psalmist does this on purpose in a way to say it can get as bad as the entirety of creation coming apart at the seams. But that's not where the psalm starts. And that's not the ultimate reality that the psalmist wants to describe. You notice that the psalmist doesn't start with the circumstances of the wheels coming off and everything unraveling and the, the fabric of creation coming apart at the seams. Where does the psalmist start, verse chapter 46, with the word 
You got your Bibles open? God, thank you. Help me with this. I had surgery on my mouth this week. I've got a whole line of stitches here. So if I ask you to help me with this, uh, help me because my mouth is not working all the way this morning. So, uh, so psalmist, the psalmist says, listen, this is where we're going to start. God. He is the ground of reality. He is the start and the, the beginning and the end. He is the root of all of our existence. God, this God who created all things, this God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help in trouble. Now, this, this verse that it starts out with, it is loaded. I mean, just packed with incredible stuff. And, and you can really test, take it word for word. And I'm going to go through it as quick as I can because we got baptisms to celebrate and all this kind of stuff. But, but you start with God. And then it goes, you know, the way that we have it translated, which is a good translation, God is our refuge and strength. And that's a good way to say it. But, but I was reading a commentator this week, and they say if you really did it literally, and it's kind of awkward in the English if you do it like this, and so that's why they have it. But he says if you really do it literally, it says God is for us a refuge and a strength. Now let's break that down for a minute. God is for us. Listen. This is just a real basic truth about God that maybe you didn't walk into the sanctuary fully believing or understanding today, or maybe you just had like an opposite kind of understanding of God. That in your mind, when you think of God, God is this angry judge that just wants to try and find all of the places that you've done wrong and hit you with a lightning bolt or something because he's so mad at you or something. That a lot of us grow up and for whatever reason it just kind of absorb this idea of God that God is not for us, but that God is against us. And the psalmist says, let's just throw that right out off the bat, that God, the God of the universe is for you. God longs to see you well and whole and at peace. God is for us, a refuge and a strength. It's a beautiful thing uh, to, to come to and to just marinate in and saturate in for a minute that God is for us, a refuge and a strength. And in fact, I think this is the overwhelming message of the entirety of, the, of chapter 46 in the Psalms is that God is for us a refuge and a strength. Not only does he start with that phrase, but he comes back to it in verse 7 where he says in a few different words, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So he strengthens the language here. Not just God is a refuge, a place to hide out from the storm, but God is a fortress. A fortress. Can you imagine that with walls and archers on the towers and, and kind of just protecting us against all of the things that could come our way? God is a fortress. He comes back to it then and again. So verse 1, verse 7, and then again in verse 11, he says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You want to say, what is Psalm 46 about? That, that psalm that has that beautiful verse, Be still and know that I am God, in verse 10. What is it about? It is about God being for us a refuge and a strength and a fortress for us. Somebody's got their Bible app on, on the audio right now. This is very good. Uh, that's all right. This is extra words. Um, they took to heart that, that, uh, that part where I said I couldn't speak, and they were like, we'll help you. Uh, <laughs> very good. Um, so 
God is for us, a refuge, start, middle, end, a fortress. This is the message. So even if the worst comes to pass, there is a reality that stands over and above and beyond and around the circumstances. So we see God is a refuge, a strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, even if everything in life falls apart and the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the sea and the waters swallow it all up and the fabric of creation start to rip apart at the seams, even if the worst actually does come to pass, we won't be afraid because God is this for us. Now, there's this shift that takes place in verse 4, this really interesting shift. You've got the mountains falling into the sea and the waters churning and, and the earth falling away. And then in verse 4, so these chaotic images. And then in verse 4, it starts with, there is a river that flows through and makes glad the city of God. It's this peaceful kind of scene, this, this different city, this different image where the streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, and God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. So you've got this, this one picture in verses 2 and 3 of everything falling apart, and then at the same time, you've got this other picture of a city where a river's flowing through it, and the waters make the city glad, and the God's presence is there, and it will help her, and he will not let this city fall. And the psalmist is trying to help us understand that when we feel like all of the world around us is crashing down, that is not all that's going on in creation. That there is another reality, another authority, another sovereignty, another word that's being spoken. There's another city that's taken place at the same time and over and above all of our circumstances. So when it feels like the whole entirety of our lives is being ripped apart and the burdens are so great and our hearts torn in two and we're staying awake all night long thinking about all the things that could go wrong, the, the psalmist wants to say, that's not all that there is. Remember, that's not all that there is is there is a city and God is on the throne there. And when that city is the reality that's over and above the realities that we experience, and when God speaks from that city, even though the nations are in uproar and the whole thing is chaos and it's wild and crazy, when the Lord speaks, the kingdoms fall. When he lifts his voice, the chaos of the earth melts. When he lifts his voice, all of the things that seem to, they're going to swallow us up. All of those things melt. Reminds me of the story in, in the New Testament where Jesus is with his disciples in a boat. And he's sleeping on the bottom part of the boat and the disciples are going across to this, the sea and all of a sudden this great storm kicks up and it's this squall. I mean, I mean, it's just wild and they're afraid they're going to die. And they go down and Jesus is sleeping uh, in the boat and, and they wake him up. Jesus, aren't you, aren't you afraid? Don't you care if we die? And Jesus comes up and he walks up to the top of the boat and he says, be still. The Lord speaks and the earth is subdued. 
the chaos, the waters get calm, the wind dies down, and the disciples stand around and they look at each other and they say, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey this, this guy. When the Lord speaks, the earth melts, it says. Then verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It goes on, have you seen what God has done? The desolation he's brought, which is an odd way of talking about this God who is in the city of peace and streams that are making things glad. That word desolation, you tend to think of like, I think of nuclear blast and just wiping off like you just just total desolation of a, in, turning a, a fertile landscape into a desert or something like that. That's what I think of when I think of desolation. But, but look at how it's applied. The writer says, have you seen what God has done? The desolations he has brought and the desolations that God has brought are applied to all of the instruments of chaos that human beings use in the world to try and flex our muscle and and show our power and that end up tearing the world apart. That's what God desolates. Look, at, have you seen what God has done? The desolation he's brought, he stills the chaotic waters. He breaks the bow that holds the arrow. He shatters the spear that is thrown on the battlefield. He takes the shields and he throws them into the fire and burns them up. This God, guys, when he speaks, it is like a nuclear detonation across the chaotic waters of our life. It's got that kind of power behind it. We get to the end of that. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then verse 10, finally we're there. He says, be still and know that I am God. That he is God not our circumstances, not the world, not all the groups that are flexing their muscles and and all the people that are shouting, trying to shout louder and louder and louder. Just be still and know that in the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of all the noise, there is another reality that stands over and above the reality that we experience. And this God is God. Know this. Be still. In our culture, we, we like to think of this be still and it's this peaceful, serene, contemplative kind of thing, and it is that. We'll talk about some of that. But, but there's a force behind this statement. It's an imperative. It's a, it's a God command. Be still. Some, some commentators say that you ought, to, you ought to translate it instead of be still. Stop. Just stop. And, and what it's trying to get at is in the middle of all that chaos, don't let yourself be shaken in the middle of all that chaos, but stop living as if that is the only authority and the only reality in the world. Be still and know that even in your circumstances, God is God over and above it all. Be still and know this God. This God. The God that Psalm 46 is describing. The God who... Uh, is like this, who created all things. Be still and know the God who is not threatened when the earth seems like it's coming apart at the seams. Be still and know the God who reigns, who rules, 
who has authority, not over just your life and my life, but over all of life. Be still and know that this God is sovereign, almighty, all-powerful. This God is God. This is not just this kind of all-powerful God, but this God is also a God who is for us. And who is for us in a specific kind of way. Who is for us a refuge and a shelter and a fortress. Has anyone ever needed something like that? Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever circumstance, whatever feels like it's overwhelming to you, whatever makes you shake when you think of it. God says to you in the middle of that, be still and know that I am God. The circumstances of your life, the thing that you're facing, as bad as it is, and Psalm 46 takes trouble, it, it, it deals with it as a reality. He says that's not the only reality. Just be still and know that he is God. This God is for us, a refuge, a shelter, and a fortress. This is our home and center in a chaotic world. Um, a lot of you guys, most of you guys know my, my son, my five-year-old son, Boone. And, uh, and Boone, uh, we didn't know this until maybe a couple years after uh, when he was a couple years old, but Boone has this thing called sensory processing disorder. And so he's been in therapy for a number of years for it. Every once in a while, you'll see him walking around with the headphones on and things. And, and, um, and Boone, uh, the way this works is it's like uh, all of the input that comes into his body through his five senses uh, just gets like thrown into his brain all at the same time. And his brain doesn't know what to do with all of that input. So it's this sensory processing uh, deal where well, you're an eye's brain. It's like if somebody dumped some puzzle pieces into our mind, we would be able to put that together and see a picture and understand it and make sense of it. But for Boone, a lot of times it's like all of these things, it's like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle dumped into his brain and he, he can't figure out how the pieces go together. And so he's, he's grown and, and uh, is doing a lot better now. But early on, he had a lot of trouble in his life, didn't say anything until after he was two years old. And, and for the first couple of years of his life, there were multiple days, like almost every day, <laughs> where he would have entire day meltdown. And I mean, hours, hours and hours and hours where he would scream and shake. And for him, it felt like you could only imagine his world was coming apart at the seams. Couldn't make sense of it, didn't know what to do with it. And so he would bang his head on the floor and on the wall. And, and I mean, he really was coming apart at the seams almost every day for the first couple of years of his little life. And it was so, so tough, right? Every once in a while, in the middle of one of those hours-long tantrums, uh, I didn't know what else to do, and so I would go over to Boone, and I'd just grab him, and I'd wrap him up, and I'd squeeze him, usually not out of anger, <laughs> um, and I'd hold him, and I'd hold him tight, and I'd sit him on my lap, and he'd just be shaking and just crying and screaming his little head off and, and thrashing about, right? But I would hold him. And as he sat there in my arms, 
and he shook and he cried and he screamed. We would sit there for a little while and eventually um, he would feel my heart on his back and that rhythm would start to take over and then our breathing would start to get into sync, right? And then something that Boone, and he wouldn't be able to describe this to you, and I don't know that I would have been able to describe it to you in the moment either, but something happened there where he began to recognize that the things that were causing his world to feel like they were coming apart were not all that there were. That there were also these great big strong arms to him uh, that were surrounding him. And the shaking and the screaming and all of the things that felt like it was going to tear his world apart, those things just bounced right off of my arms. They didn't bother me at all. And that after a while, as we sat there and his, my heartbeats were together and our breathing started to resonate and, and go together, then after a while, the shaking would begin to stop. His breathing would calm down and the screaming would slow down and begin to get quiet and he would be still because all of those things that were causing him to shake would just get absorbed into the bigness of who I was around him. And he would be still. And he would know that he had a fortress around him. And that fortress was bigger than him. It was bigger than his circumstances. And it was able to hold him through it and bring him through to a stillness and a calm and a peace on the other side of it. Listen, God wants to do similar things for you. I don't know what it is, if it's a circumstance. I mean, I know a lot of your stories. I know the things that shake a lot of you. Um, but whatever it is, this morning, we call this a sanctuary for a reason. This is a place of shelter. This is a place where we come and we re are reminded that there's a God who is a fortress for us. And this God not only meets us here on Sunday mornings, but goes with us throughout the week and longs for us to crawl up into his lap and be embraced with his big, strong arms and to let all of our shaking just melt into him. He's bigger. Listen, there's this, uh, there's this song that I grew up singing. Um, super simple. We're not going to sing all the verses. Uh, maybe you know it as well. And if you do, please begin to sing it along with me because I, don't, I just start songs. I don't actually sing them all the way through, right? So, um, but the verse is just real simple. It's be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And we'll just do that until I feel like we've got it, Okay. Um, would you stand? As you hear the voices around you, remember that we are the body of Christ. Let these voices be the voice of the Father calling out to you this morning. And respond in faith. It goes like this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still.